Yo, what's up? Welcome back to PJ's Son Podcast, your old buddy Dom. Back in the studio, what I call a studio. Um, hope everybody had a good Christmas. Old Terry from last episode had to go back to Oklahoma and be an iron worker, so we're going to miss him. We'll get him back next year, I'm sure, if not before. Um, it was good around here. Kids had a great Christmas. They got everything they wanted and need and all that stuff. New Year had to go back to work, and so I didn't get to do any hanging out or any of that good stuff. But hope everybody's well and had a great holiday season and get your asses back to work for 2024. Um, got a special guest with me tonight. Old buddy of mine, known him for a long time. Um, it, this is going to be interesting because you're going to find out that you know this guy more than you think. Um, he has been in the music industry for a long time now. We're going to get into the specifics here in a minute, but um, I'd like to uh, just talk to him about some things, and um, let's get to it. Jason Coco Bridges, we'll call him Coco. What's up, buddy? What up, man? Thanks How for thanks for coming by, brother. I appreciate sure. you. No problem. What's going on with you? Same old. Same old. Same old, man. Same. Get up and rinse and repeat. You work, know? work, work. Work, work, more work. Yep, I hear you. I have known you, it's been a long time. Um, Coco and I were, Jason and I were just talking about it. Um, when we were really kind of hanging, I was going through my, just got home from Iraq thing. Um, so it was more on the party scene. So I never even got to sit down and talk to you about the history of this whole thing and where it came from and how it started. Um, your title, I guess, if you had to have a title, it would be music producer, right? Yeah. Is yeah. that what they call it? Yep. Beat, beat produ music producer, right? Producer. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So, growing up, music was a huge part of my life. It, it, I mean, it still is. It's it's so much to me to have my music and and you know you got your playlist and your favorites and all that stuff. Obviously, being a professional music producer for how many years now? Professionally, twenty. Okay. Yeah. So it was obviously a huge part of your life too. Yeah. I need to know, and could you please tell us where, how, okay, you're, how old are you? Where is this whole thing? How do you get to where you are? Let's, let's start off there and then we'll, we'll let people know where they know you from. All right. Um, Where'd you grow up? Overland. Overland. Okay. Overland. So St. Louis guy, North County guy. Yes, sir. All right. So how old are you when Basement Beats, uh, where do you meet these guys? How's it work? So... I was 16. Um, my buddy worked at a Mexican restaurant in Overland, and he had worked with a, a guy named Jason Everson. Um, and at the time, he basically came back to the block. We all was super huge rap fans, you know, being young. Sure. Um, 90s? Yeah, mid-90s. Um, you know, that was basically the common denominator between us all, and, and he said he knew this kid that DJed, but, you know, wasn't sure of him, didn't know him that well or whatever. And uh, one night I picked him up, picked him and, and the guy up from work, and we went back to his house. And um, basically his bedroom was a mattress, some milk crates, and a bunch of rap posters and some turntables. And I'm like, all right, so this guy, he must live, eat, breathe this shit, you know. So his studio was a little bit like mine. Yeah. It was just made out of something. That was it. And that's <laughs> all you had to do. Right. So, um he basically just put on some turntables and, and start cutting and scratching. And Is this he, Wally? No, this is J.E. Okay. And so from that point on, we would just 
connected, you know, through the music. And he was about DJing. He, he was really good. And he knew all of, all of his stuff just like we did. So that was just like the common ground stuff for us. And he used to, you know, hang out. We used to go to his mom's basement. He had an eight track. You know, we started freestyling in the basement and freestyling beats or rapping. Just all of just it. all of it. Anything you know, music. Anything music. Yeah, we'd be goofing off on a Friday night. He he would start scratching or making a beat, and he would plug in the mic and just you know we didn't know what we was doing. Yeah, we was, we was having fun. Having fun. And um, I guess that progressed to him getting a job at um, Saints, which was a skating rink. Oh, yeah. Legendary. Um, it's legendary here. Legendary, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of stuff went down there. Yeah, but, um, yeah. He got offered to do a DJ gig, and so he started DJing up there, and uh, that progressed to them opening a, a little studio, and they were charging people, you know, 100 bucks or something to come do your demo real quick on a, on Saturday night. You know, it was like the hood night. So everybody would line up and try to go drop verses or... At Saints. At Saints. Okay. So it was kind of like a quick, like, you know, like a little studio session, in and out, get your idea down, and, and you're out. So he, he record. they come in and they say, hey, I got this song, I got some bar. I, yeah. I, he records it. No, well, Jay wasn't. He was still DJing. As time went on, there was another producer there that was running the studio that... that you know, J.E. showed interest in it, and okay. basically he went in there. Again, we're 16. Uh, he went in there and started just kind of learning how to program and how to use stuff. So none of us grew up musically at all. Like, I wasn't in band. I didn't play any instruments. Right. J.E. didn't do it, nothing like that. So kind of an apprenticeship. Yeah, it was a kind of apprenticeship, and just we had the ear for it. We just had to learn how to get it out of our head and, and make it, you know, make it happen. Yeah. Um. So once he started learning how to do all the – the equipment, um, basically, that's that's when the lunatics walked in, and D two, which was the owners of Saints and all that, they they signed that group, and that was kind of Jay's one of Jay's first projects. So Nelly and the Saint Lunatics went up to Saints just like countless other mm -hmm. young people looking to lay something down, and here comes Lunatics, and that's how this thing, yeah. that's how kind of the relationship got started. Yeah, I don't know if, if it was them just coming in on Saturdays and doing demos or if they met Darren and Dave, the owners, through a, another avenue or whatever. But when they signed him, they definitely brought him into the studio with, with J.E. basically being wet behind the ear and kind of just taking on stuff and learning as he went. Wow. And it was cool to us because there was there was six guys at the time, um, and, and each of them had their own style, and that, that was kind of like, it reminded us of like a Midwest Wu Tang Clan. Sure, kind of. absolutely. So we and we were big Wu heads. So absolutely, we, we, we were like cool. And at that time, I was just rapping. I had no, I was scared of music because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't sure of myself. Absolutely, to do yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So I was just a fly on the wall. And um, you know, a couple years went on of that. You know, just doing demos, and they started getting hot regionally with their uh, their song "Give Me What You Got." That took off, and then uh, two thousand, they got a deal, and the rest is. That was 2001. History, yeah, yeah. That's when they got the deal. It's a, it's a big time in St. Louis. You know, the Rams won the Super Bowl. Oh, it was. Nelly was on fire. It, it was just a, a, an electric year. It was the best. I yeah. mean, we like when we won the Super Bowl, we were out on Hotter Shell. Mm. What they call it? Uh, bobbing and weaving. Bobbing and I weaving. mean, it was snowing that. And I remember <laughs> it was just, it was a wild time. And Nelly was playing everywhere. It was, it was so big at the time to have somebody talking about St. Louis and Del Mar and the loop you know it like it, to hear any of that stuff on like nationally you know i don't know syndicated yeah, it, or whatever radio. it was surreal because 
before before they got the big deal and it just really took off in 2000 we get basically je and wally and 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 myself we all kind of showed up to the studio one day and it was gone um i don't know what happened with d2 um but they basically took the studio out i don't know if they didn't like what was going on with other acts or other producers or right. whatever but he took all the equipment out and just kind of one day you're you're walking into a blank room and that's when we went to Jay's mom's basement and started Basement Beats. Um, Is that we, right? Yeah, me, Wally, Jay, and then uh, at the time it was Spud, but then he went away for right right before Nelly blew up. He yeah. went to jail. So you guys remember when Nelly wore the bandaid yeah. on his face? That whole thing, City Spud went away. So that's uh, that's who Jay's talking about. Yeah. So, all right. You okay? Let, let, I'm just trying to paint a picture here. So you know this group of guys and their artists—they've been signed. Mm -hmm. How do you go about? Are do, are are you just at home? You've got all your equipment and you just start making beats. Something sounds good, it starts to click. You put it together, you record it, and then you send it to them and go, "Hey, can you do anything with this? How does how do you how do you sell? Like you know what I mean? How do you? Yeah. Well, my story was kind of just knowing the right people at the right time. Um, like I said, I known Nelly and, and the Lunatics since probably 96, 97. Was best friends with J.E., um, kind of just looking over his shoulder and, and picking up what I could from him. Um, in 2000, when Nelly got on and, and then they started doing a Lunatics album, I, I had a demo I was putting together and went up to New York. And basically, um, like I said, at this time, I was just rapping. I wasn't doing anything else, and I was in a group, uh, uh, Steadfast. Uh -huh. So we're putting all this stuff together and I almost had two deals as a rapper, but honestly they didn't know how to market me because at that time the hottest stuff was Eminem and, and me as a, a white guy, they're looking at me like, you know what? I don't just, I just don't get it. Like I, I love, I love the music. I just don't know what to do with you. Well, that's, so, that space was pretty tough to get into when M yeah. came. I mean, like there's only enough room right now. Very tough. Yeah. You know, and I wasn't trying to be Eminem. No, like, of course. And I, I didn't want no smoke with Eminem, but no, um, at that that kind of discouraged me. So I came back to St. Louis after after I put together probably 10, 12 songs and then was sitting in, you know, some major offices with some major people. And before we even said who I was or they pointed at me, they loved the music. And then they see me and was like, man, I just don't know what to do. Like, I was like, all right, cool. So I went home right after the Lunatics album and I bought um, a keyboard off some crackhead chick. Um, Borrowed an NPC from J.E. or Wally, whichever one, and I just kind of learned how to sequence and make beats. And really, being in the group, the rock group at that time, we were in and out of the studio like all day. Um, and I remember going to a couple of those sessions. Yeah, that was, that was, it was a good time. Was good times. <laughs> but you know, at that time, I just started making beats. Murph was working on his album. Nelly and Ali came over one night and were going through beats when we had a, a steadfast session at JE's and basically they were going through JE and Wally's beats and went through probably like an hour's worth of shit. And I was just like, man, I make beats now. And uh, Nelly's like, All right, go get the CD. And then at that point I had like maybe five beats on the CD. Literally had 20 beats at this, at this point, just learning finished. how to finished. And, um, that CD was in my car. It had five beats on it. And when I came down, the first track they played was Tailfeather, and they looked like they won the World Series down in the basement. So, and I had no idea what was to come. They just know, like you, they're they're. It, does it match with their tempo, or or you know what I mean? Like, how does an artist know, like, oh shit, I can I can do something with that? I 
I mean, it's one of the things you just kind of feel, but like I think what set that off was the siren. And like I said, I had no idea about the movie. I had nothing. I had no idea about anything. I was just in the group, right, doing our steadfast thing, and I was learning how to make beats. And then when this happened, um, probably three days later, they called me, and I was on a plane in New York, sitting in Puff's studio. What the fuck? And I'm like, yeah, exactly. I was like, what am I doing here? So everybody listening, uh, shake your tail feather if you don't know. If you go back and watch Bad Boys too. You told me the story a long time ago. Jay was telling me the story a long time ago that um, he had no idea, like he just said, that, that that music was going to go where it went. So when you hear, is that correct? When you hear the police sirens yeah. at the beginning of the movie, didn't you just throw that? You didn't. Well, to tell you about the track, I was late for work one morning. When I got up and I started making that beat, it took me like 15 minutes to make that loop. Of what you hear. And Get out of here. I I was late and I almost shut the machine off. Like ah screw it, you know whatever. I'll make another one. I can I, fi- I can I can remember that when I get back. Yeah. Didn't do that. Went to work. Came home and I was like, oh yeah that one beat. And I played it and basically it played and I was like well how am I gonna set this off? And I was just going through a kit and it had a siren and I I had no idea. I just for whatever reason put that in the beginning as the intro and then the beat drop. Wow. And that was it. I had no idea about <laughs> nothing else after that until. That night when I went to band practice, I brought that beat with me in the car because I it, it was fresh to me, and then just so happened you know Nelly and over that they showed up. Stuff. Wow! Mm-hmm. So you go to New York. You're go to New York. He um, was he was Puff at the time, right? He was P Diddy maybe. Okay, Puff I, Daddy, whatever. I don't remember. Yeah. I survived Puff. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, so you guys are sitting in an office without going into any details you don't want to go to, and you Nelly. Everybody, everybody was in the there. whole. Everybody, everybody was up. in there, and he goes, "All right, play it." Yeah, yeah. Diddy, Puff at the time, notoriously um, not hard to work with, but knows what he wants. Definitely. Is that is that pretty accurate? Yeah. So we we went we went in the studio. Everybody was there, um, and nothing was wrote yet as far as lyrics. But they they had a hook from in the past that like that hook that you hear mm. is from an old lunatic song really and they basically just put it to that and um i remember sitting there just kind of just soaking it all in and like damn this is my first placement this this is major you know what i'm saying sure. i'm sitting at, at biggie studios where all this stuff went down there's puff right there. oh that's the same studio yeah oh wow. so I'm, I'm like just sitting here just blown away and um i remember like at one point puff stopped the beat and he was just like yo is this the same tempo did y'all slow it down or like i don't know like I don't know if this is the one, and I was like, "Oh shit!" You know, and then Nelly's like, "No, no, 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 no! Trust me." He's like, "I got it. Let me go in there real quick." Oh, and he just kind of started freestyling his verse, and then um, when it came to the hook part, it was real funny. And all this is on tape somewhere. Puff had a videographer. I wish I could get it. Right. Because it was a, you got to get my moment. Of that. Yeah. yeah. And um, he, he Nelly went in there and was trying to do that the the singing part the sure. the Indian part yeah and uh, he just oh. was blowing it because you know he just wasn't hitting the notes or right whatever. right so Puff called some people in they did the hook and then um from then on you know Puff had a writer in the corner writing his verse so he didn't really didn't have to do much he just had to see the vision of the song and um, Murph killed it Nelly freestyled like they both free they just yeah they just kind of like you know they got a couple lines and then go in there and just kind of mumble yeah come back. Put in words, you know. And wow. They, you know, they, until they get it right, and then then it just kind of flows. But 
I don't know if you remember telling me this, but uh, back then when you went to New York, I have, I've still never been to New York City, but mm. I, I was like, what's that like? And you go, dude, you step out of the cab. I don't even know if you remember telling me. You go, <laughs> you step out of the cab and everything is just like it 10 fast forward. Oh, yeah. It's just especially coming imagine, from here. Yeah, I couldn't imagine driving in New York, especially like if you're like if you got a little road rage, like New York's not the place. No, they I heard one time uh, if you're at a stoplight, you're the first car, the light turns green, it's red, right? And then it turns green. You like they they did a study on it. You have 0.002 seconds before you get honked at. I like there it. is no time to chill. I believe it. And people are super aggressive. Like once they commit to bobbing into your lane, they're they're coming. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like <laughs> Tijuana, they there's no blinker. They just come on over and you get out of the way. Yeah, just get in the cab. You'll yeah. see. <laughs> yeah, right professionals so wow so then then diddy's like or puff's like all right this is the one yeah then he was sold one once nelly kind of caught he like he quarterbacked the whole song like the ad libs the the melodies like he had the whole vision because he was already hot mm-hmm. yeah he was on fire so puff so that, knew him he they yeah it's it's not like so he he was he was all right with taking nelly and Murph like word for it. Yeah, basically. and Murph was the new kid that was just coming with heat. Yeah, and he fucking killed. That him. was the last. I, I want to say the last song that made his album. So that kind of just snuck in to be part of Bad Boys Two and on his debut album. Right, but that's so, a huge single, right? Oh yeah, huge. They bumped both the albums up. Right, yeah. right. Oh, you mean the soundtrack too? Yeah, yeah. It came out around the same time, and like I said, it helped Murph's album. No, so with the movie, Big the time. soundtrack went good. Big so. time. Yeah, but well, because that's what they played on all the uh, commercials and stuff before oh, yeah. the movie came out, yep. you know? It was cool to actually go to the theater and, and watch that all the way through and then at the end watch the credits and it was like, ah, oh, shit. Your name is yeah. on, I don't know how big that movie was, but it was massive. I knew it was huge. It was huge. massive. Yeah. What year was that? 2001, oh, two? Oh, three. Oh, three. So that was my break into the music industry. And like I said, that was right place, right time, knowing the right people, like, it's a lot of life, though. Yeah, you know it's what a lot I mean. Of life. And it, it it was it wasn't just overnight. I mean, obviously we put in work years before that, sure. just with networking and just kind of learning and. Yeah, but without that, right? Like, so there's people that just got lucky that one time, and that shot them. Mm-hmm. It shot them up. But, but it like it it seems like that doesn't last. Sometimes it doesn't seem to last as long as putting in those years of grind and and whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. Right. So here you are, twenty years later. I mean, how many job interviews have you went on since? I mean, none. That's it, right? Yeah. So, so it's like all that hard work at the beginning. Yeah, I've owned some businesses, own a business right. with the wife, but like, yeah, I, I haven't went for a job application. I still do what I do. Yeah. So, so that's what I'm saying. The yeah. hard work in the in the early stages that 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 it's important. Yeah. So where do we go from there i mean like how it's nuts right because i remember hearing the word that you had done that and like that was your thing and it was it was huge around just that hazelwood area oh, forest yeah. and area you know it was like this motherfucker you know yeah what was cool it, it, i was the last one out of, out of our, our click or whatever to have success like i always wondered where i fit in and i almost gave up just doing music because i seen jay going from nothing to something i seen wally do the same thing and right around that time i just had a kid and I was like, man, do I do I want to rap? Do, right. Can I make beats? Right. I'm not sure of myself. Right. And then, you know, do that, I need to get a job? Yeah. That first. So that first CD, like I was telling you, I had maybe 20 beats. Tail Feather, I think, was number 20 on that CD, 
and over and over was like number nine. So right. I actually made over and over before Tail Feather, but it just kind of fell in place right after that because Nelly was like tapping me to come over and you know play some more beats. What do you? What else you got? What else you right. learning? You know. Right. So I was kind of on fire that year. Was it? Was it scary to think like? Did I just get lucky on that one? Is that the only thing I have that anybody's going to be interested in? Because at the time, like you said, there is some self-doubt, and now you got to be a dad and a husband still yeah. and all this other stuff, you know? Well, at that point, I was just new, and I didn't have the catalog to sit there and feel confident to go into a room with a Beyonce or an Usher. But right. once I got that publishing deal, that was kind of their job was to put me into to the position with other writers and artists that was under their company. And some I've gotten calls about, hey, do you got stuff for Usher? We're going to fly you down to Atlanta. In my head, I'm like, no. But I finessed it to, yeah, I do. Let's go. Let's do it. Just to test myself. For instance, that that example you just said right there. You get a phone call from the company, uh, was it a publishing company? Yeah, it's a publishing company. You got managers or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they say, hey, listen, Usher got the word. However it works out, mm -hmm. do you go home and kind of maybe just like start listening? I mean, we've all, we all know yeah, some yeah. Usher shit. But do you go home and go... All right, I can't make that beat because that's already on that song. But it seems like he gravitates towards this kind of melodies yeah. and tempos and Yeah, well, they kind of gave me a direction like okay. um he wants, you know, this kind of tempo and this kind of, you know, this this kind of feel, I guess. Right. And so yeah, you just kind of sit there and listen to a little bit of Usher or whatever yeah, or yeah, whoever yeah. you're getting ready to go in the studio with. I kind of just go through a playlist real quick. Right. Um like even now, I still do the same thing. Like I'm getting ready to go to Nashville for 2 weeks. I'm working on a country album, but I'm I'm gonna listen to the dude. Yeah, probably two or three times before I go down there. Of course, and just kind of get prepped up. Yeah. So well, and then and then it's weird too because Usher is known. Look, we're just talking about Usher because you brought. Yeah. Uh, he's known to do this thing, but then out of nowhere he'll jump on with Lil John, and so he's like he's okay to be kind of fluid and move around and do different things. So it's like. Do you ever throw one in there that might be like, hey, man, maybe he'll feel this today and just kind of feel like upbeat? Or yeah, yeah. I always throw a curveball. Um, so I, I'll, I'll come to the session. If, if he wants all club records, I'll I'll give him all club records, but I'll have that one that's Absolutely. just left field. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened with Over and Over um, with Nelly. Had no idea what that beat was for. Me and Jimmy Hargrove did it. It was sitting there. Um, had no idea. And one day I just played it just by chance when Nelly was working on Sweatsuit, and he liked it and didn't know what to do with it. So he just kind of kept it to the side. Like, keep, he kept playing it. That's why I was like, okay, there's something there. Right, right. He keeps going back to it. Yeah. And then um, I come back home from L.A. after after that session with uh, Sweatsuit, and then uh, I got a call from Ludacris from my published company, and Luda was on the phone. He wanted to buy over and over for, I think at the time, for like five grand with one of his artists that I, I – I really wasn't into. Yeah. And so I'm like, I kind of like, I lied kind of saying, you know, it was already sold when it wasn't, but I just had confidence that he was going to do something with it. And then. Well, and kind of staying true to Nelly since you've been yeah, with yeah. him forever. It's like, if he's even feeling this at all, I'm mm -hmm. going to keep it for him. Did he know that he was going to be working with Tim McGraw? I mean, where does that, how the hell does that stuff even, again, the publishing company goes, hey, Tim McGraw's kind of wanting to get into something or how does that work? Nah, so Nelly wrote the whole song. Um, one morning he calls me probably two, three in the morning. And he's like, Hey, bring some beats out. Okay, cool. Whatever. So I'm off to Wildwood. <laughs> it works and, that way. Yeah. If he calls you, you yeah, I'll, 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 I'll roll. You know what I'm saying? It's the opportunity. Your job. That yeah, absolutely. You know, his schedule is not on my schedule. Right. So when he calls, you kind of, kind of right. fit in. All right. So you head out there. So I head out there and 
we were finishing up Sweatsuit, and on the dry erase board, he had songs to finish, and it said Nelly featuring question mark, but he was talking about it, and he said, yeah, this is the one I'm putting Tim McGraw on. Wow. I said, which one? He goes, the one, the country one that you kept playing. I'm like, for real? So then he played it, and it was all Nelly. It wasn't Tim McGraw yet. And mm. I was like, oh, shit, like, and this is going to be crazy. It was good. Yeah. Before Tim McGraw even jumped on. Yeah, it was good before that. And then Tim was just, you know, it, it made that crossover effect. So that was that was an awesome feeling too, calling your buddy and saying, Hey man, life's about Jimmy. to change. <laughs> and and I remember talking to him, Jimmy Hargrove's a good friend of ours, a partner of uh Jay's for sure. But uh when all that was going on, he like you could see it in his face, he was like, What the fuck just happened? You yeah. know, I'm like, dude, this is so massive, you know. So yeah. So that was kind of a, it was kind of like Jay and Wally going, hey, you're on. And I, and Step I, up. Same thing. Yeah. Jimmy, you're on. Yeah, that's great. So it's, it's kind of cool to have friends in the circle that kind of had that moment. Absolutely. Was over and over, I mean, in my opinion, that kind of like set off this, uh, is the genre called country rap, country hip hop, country Country rap. I mean, it, it's like it's, it was early, yeah, right? It's a genre, but it's like it's it's kind of that name they don't like for whatever reason because right. people use the acronym crap, country rap. You know, oh, C R A P. So they say crap. Yeah, that ain't no. So good. they feel like it's kind of downplaying what they do. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, do you agree? In some case, like that was not that think, big right back then, right? Yeah, it wasn't big at all. There was a couple people doing it, but, you know, like Bubba Sparks yeah, and Colt, okay. Colt Ford, I think. I want to say Colt Ford was probably the first country rapper, even before Bubba Sparks or even before Haystack or I'm talking about, like, mid-'90s type stuff. I guess, yeah, because those dudes down south, they were all, like, brought up in the country world, yeah. right? But then so they had the rapping kind of... I would say Colt's one of the originators. Yeah. And well, he, he's I guess, older. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess in my world, over and over seemed like it was that first kind of big transition oh, yeah. that, that was I a knew. Big breakthrough crossover point, I think, with that crossing the rapper with the country artist, and this and it made sense. It made it worked. And a huge rapper and a yeah. huge country artist. Sure. I mean, Tim McGraw is a fucking man. So yeah. it's like when those two got together. I mean, and obviously you remember, but. We used to listen to the radio. Yeah, yeah. You know, for younger folks tuning into this podcast, the radio used to be, I don't even know what the radio is anymore, but I'm telling you now, the radio used to be it. It was it. And, uh, you know, they did not stop playing. I mean, Country Grammar, it was, you need to go? No. It was, uh, it, it didn't It didn't turn off. And we all had the CD. Yeah. You know? I don't even think we were burning that CD. We bought that one just to, just so to, love, yeah, yeah, man, a, a hometown group or band or artist. It, it was a lot of fun. So that was my first two placements. First two, I won a Grammy. First two went number one. One of them broke like I think over and over broke the record at first when Ridiculous. it went number one. And so it was kind of that moment where I'm like, well, shit, this is this is what I'm doing. Like I. I'm quitting all my stuff. Yeah. I quit AT&T. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I I didn't. I I was going through a fire academy trying to be a firefighter and paramedic. I didn't want to be a paramedic, but you have to get your paramedic license to be a firefighter. Oh, yeah. So I was in that process of getting ready to take my nationals for my paramedics. I took the city tests, the physical and the written. I was on a waiting list. I was uh, interning at Pattonville Fire Department where my uncles worked. Mm -hmm. And they told me basically like, hey, um, 
you'll you'll be a paramedic for at least ten years before someone retires or, or you know yeah. passes or whatever. And I'm just like, dude, I don't even want to do this shit like that. I understand it, but right. I don't want to do it. Of course. So this is right at the same time, all this stuff started really taking off for me. So I just had to make a choice. Like, this doesn't happen for everybody. Um, this kind of fell on my lap, and I'm making good money, and this is I have fun. It's insane. Yeah, and it's not. I don't know. It's not dangerous. No, right, so, right. You, yeah. you got that going for you. So I'm like, cool, let's do it. Do you actually have a Grammy? Like, do they give you one of those when you're on? Yeah, so at that time, I didn't get to go up on stage and everything like that, and it was for um, uh, best uh, duo or collaboration or whatever. Right. That's what Tailfeather won for. And so um, they just sent me one later on. Wow. But I thought for sure over and over would get one for best collaboration or whatever. Or whatever, top country. It it went number one in all. I genres, was gonna say so country, cool. yeah. So that came out around when the Grammys was airing. So it had to wait a whole another year, and I think by that time it kind of got swept under the rug by all the new stuff. So, but it didn't win. Yeah, but it ran its course yeah, for a for long sure. time there. You know, it was a huge song, and that's one of the ones you you know you can be at Applebee's and hear it playing. And wow, like, being in an elevator. That's weird, huh? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. What did uh, so when you hear about um, you know, whether what comedians or actors or whatever, right? Their their wives and their kids, they don't even like Brad Pitt's kids. They he's just dad, and they don't really care about it. Did your did the wife and kids? Well, I know the boys were yeah, but they, they were young. Yeah, well, I only had one at the time. Right? Do um, they get it now though? Oh yeah, for sure. Do they really? For sure. They they. Well, I'm, I got a studio in the house, and I got, you know, the yeah. plaques and everything from all the songs I've been attached to. And I remember, the Grammys yeah. in there, and it's just kind of like my little man cave, and you yeah. know, they know what I do. Yeah. So, and I think I think both of them's met everybody. Is like that right? Nelly and everybody. That's and pretty cool. Murph and got a picture with them and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So where does that take you after that? Like, so after this big stuff just sets off, just back, back to the. Yeah. So I come back home and, um, after sweatsuit, which is like, what, oh, four, oh, five, somewhere around there. Um, basically you just, you know, you're with the published company. You did, you take trips, you network. You, you, at that point we were signing a couple producers, signed a couple artists and tried that route to try to build the label get a label deal or whatever. This is 08, 09. And then just throughout, you're just kind of working throughout, you know, just basically picking up placements, you know, working with artists through word of mouth or what's cool is about, you know, the catalog that I've been a, a part of, it's kind of like your business card. So I can, I can walk in to a session or whatever and just that they'll know who I am and want to hear. Absolutely. Stuff. So. Well, that, and I, I think that's kind of what I said in the intro, like, there are a lot more people that know who you are without oh, knowing yeah, yeah. who you are. You know, you walk past them at, at wherever, whatever store, and mm -hmm. they'll have no idea, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I just kind of keep it quiet. Yeah. But then, you know, when you, you come out and say that, then then the expectation, too, is, is the bar set high, too. So now, oh, you've you done this and that. Like, let's hear it. So now, then, then it's kind of like a, a nervous thing A little again. bit of pressure. It's like, so. What, but so when you, so what is a day of work? Let's call it with air quotes. What's a day of work look like? You've done so many beats and yeah. you've messed with so many samples and you, yeah, blah, 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 blah. How, how do you, how do you stay not relevant? How do you, how do you keep things like interesting and fresh and like, 
how does it how do how does new music fit in with what you do and and it is it's just all like feeling and, and what you're into take it old school sometimes um, da, 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 da. a lot of it is is i go through different phases there, there'll be days where you know i want to learn new stuff with the system i worked on or there'll be a month where i just work on sounds on my, my sound kits or you know like the drum parts of it or whatever or there'll be you know there's even times where I work with new artists I've never even heard of just to work with someone new and stay sharp. And yeah. I see what they're doing here. They got some numbers. Cool, let's do one and just see what happens, you know. Or um, a lot of collaborations. I'll go through that phase where I don't play guitar, but I love guitar. Yeah. So I, I got a handful of friends that I, I'll tap on the shoulder and say, hey, Jimmy, this is what I'm working on. Yeah. Give, me, give me a five pack. And they'll send it over. And then I'll go from there. And if we win, we win. But there's just different phases. But I, I, I try to stay sharp just... Just going throughout that cycle of, of, of the emotions. You right, know? right. Sometimes when I, I have no sessions, no aim, I used to be like, oh, I got, I got to make three to five beats a day. Like, you know, that was my goal. And then sometimes it just doesn't come to you like that. Sometimes right. it's like you're forcing it. And then, then it's usually that's the stuff that's not really great. And you're not like proud of it. I know what you mean. Yeah. Like I was telling you about the podcast. I went through this mm -hmm. thing where I just, I didn't feel creative. I like, I didn't want to just have someone to talk to and just go through the motions and do this Q and a thing where it's just, Hey, where are you from? So, yeah. Hey, where are you, you know, and it, it's like to, to like main, scripted. Yeah, yeah. To maintain like creativity. And that's what, that's, what's interesting about making music as much as I love it. And if you saw me down here working out, I, I guarantee you I'm the best drummer and guitarist and <laughs> vocalist you've ever seen in the world. None of it sounds good at all, but it, like the, just music and stuff, listening to it, it, you don't, I don't have a clue of what goes on, like the behind it, just being in the studio with you guys steadfast, though, like that was the, obviously the first time I'd ever gotten to see anything about how music works. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, and it's cool. If like, if you don't know nothing about it and you sit there and watch that, either either you hate it because you don't like the process of, of a song being created or you're infatuated, like what the hell is going on? What's that button do? What are you doing now? Right, right. You know, so. All the leveling and all the, like the, the EQs, it's, mm -hmm. it's like, there's, a, a 10 foot long yeah. nowadays it's a laptop but yeah back in them days when that was going on everything was keyboards on top of keyboards yeah. and buttons and now it's just you pull up a laptop and you got literally thousands thousands of keyboards at your at your fingertips just through you know plugins and bsts and stuff like the game has changed really yeah and that's why there's so much music out like it's so cheap to do um, there's, there's multiple programs out there that are super cheap and, and kids take hold of that and they run with it. Like there's some kids out there that are monsters, man. Of the just production of side the of the production it? side, just the sound quality, everything. And, um, they got it down, man. Like it's, so you have to, you have to keep up to, oh, yeah. to stay in that race. It's super competitive because there's so many people doing it. Yeah. But what would it be interesting to go back to the, well, no, I guess not. If they can have the same sounds at a fingertip, that you could make with all the old school, because I'm sure you still have all your old school stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that have a different sound to it though? Like some of it, like the quality. Um, you know, like old school records, like yeah. vinyl has that different scratch yeah. to it, like sound. Yeah, there's 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 newer sounds that hit harder, and just just newer stuff that that you know it keeps evolving all the time. That's why it's just a, you know you learn all the time. Right. Like even now today, I'm still learning you know, the process of, of everything. And it's just like, man, this will never end. It's, it's kind of like a post, yeah. post office job. Like that job is never going to be done. Yeah. 
you said a minute ago, um, if we win, is that so? Is it kind of a bidding process to where this artist will want, say, five from you, ten from you, da, 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 and and he'll get a bunch of music from a bunch of different producers, and then does that is that what winning means? Is if he yeah, goes, well, if we I get like one, yeah, yeah. If they if they pick it, there's 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 been a lot of times where you know we've even recorded songs that we thought was going to be something, and then it just doesn't get used for whatever reason. So. This game, if you get into it, you got to have some tough skin and learn how not to take stuff personal because everything's not for everybody. And I probably heard no a thousand times more than I've heard a yes. I'm sure. And it's it's kind of one of the things like, well, you know, this ain't going to happen with this one or with this artist, even if they recorded the song. I got plenty of those that, that with, with major artists and they just didn't make it. And in those those companies, the publishing companies, they they're it's a business to them, right? The business. Some of them might not even like the music. Period. I don't like rap at all. Yeah, yeah. But I know how to sell it to the masses. Yeah. So hearing that no, I'm sure. Yeah. Does happen. What do you do with that? Just back to the drawing board. Back to the drawing board, or maybe that will work for someone else. You know, I, I place beats that wasn't picked, that I thought was for a different artist. That happens. Yeah. Or you know, sometimes I might not ever show that beat again. I just might just really. Have, I knew that one was for you, and then you know it was it was meant for this yeah, one yeah. particular person, and that's the way it goes. And that's the way it goes. Wow. So what do we do these days? I mean, you still just get calls and say, "Hey, so and so wants to work with you." Yeah. So I mean, the last <clears throat> I don't know four or five years, I've really have uh, picked up a whole new group of like friends and and people that 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 I collab with, um, real deep into the country rap and the country pop world. Um, going back and forth to Nashville a lot, um, working with a lot of big dogs, you know what I'm saying? Like really? people that are in the independent level that are huge, but, um, just from, just from like a, a couple handful of friends, then that spreads out to like 30, you know what I'm saying? Sure. And now you, you're in this little circle of just doing this kind of pocket of music and, you know, I, I've been happy with it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's challenging, you know what I'm saying? Especially like, I don't really listen to the genre that I do. But the last four or five years, that's what I've been on. So that might be a good thing. Yeah, it's it's, it's right? challenging. Yeah, if you're so into like if it was old school rap, you know mm -hmm. what what you originally started with, not watered down, but I could see that becoming the same thing, rinse and repeat again. Yeah. You know, not to say not to like downplay, but like to get into this new thing where you can almost not focus on lyrics or, or whatever you mm -hmm. know like you can you, you can just be creative in your own way and go like maybe this will work maybe yeah. it won't that's the thing that sucks about being in music is like I, I get so jaded of music even though i'm a super fan you know what i'm saying like i'll listen to stuff and I, i'm not really like moved yeah <laughs> or i know how that's done or i know you know this and that you've seen how the sausage is made bro yeah so it's like that's cool next like as soon as I, I make a song i'm done with it until mix and then when it comes mix after that probably won't listen to it ever again because i've listened to it so many times really so from there it just depends like if a song takes off or if it does well obviously that's a win yeah and i'm cool with that but like i'm already on the next five ten songs ahead of me you know what i'm saying like yeah. i'm already on that level that's what sucks about music is that i don't sit down and appreciate and, and, and enjoy it no as a fan yeah i think we all understand that in our own little way right yeah. like there are people i work at the lock and dam there are people that come up there. There's a, <clears throat> there's like a parking lot where uh, just civilians can just come in. It's not government property, right? Yeah. And when we're up there locking a boat, they want to know all these questions. And I like to stop and talk to them because it changes my day up a little bit. And I just kind of like, well, and then 
it's fun to let them kind of quiz me on my own job that I do for seven years. So it's like, do I know what the fuck I'm doing? And when they ask questions to be able to answer it, but when it's something I do over and over and it's just boring and like, trust me, it's not as cool as you think, but you can tell these people, they're just interested in what we do. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think I'm, I'm understanding what you're saying on that, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, back and forth in Nashville doing a line of that. Um, branching off just like I said word of mouth or just through other friends that I, I do production with they hook me up with their friends and so on and, and like I said usually it, it's it's a big group of people that are doing stuff it's not just for fun stuff you yeah. know what I'm saying so well so okay you got a guy in this group uh in the, the genre where you're working with now if an artist asks you for something and you know that this guy would fit with him well do you hook that up yeah, yeah, like, and and that'll happen for you too. Yep, yep. Because this guy, the the other producer, for whatever reason, his you you think that his kind of mindset would go better with that artist for whatever reason on that particular song or what? Yeah, there's a lot of that, or like like the people that I work with, they'll be like, "Hey man, you should get with Coco. He's got he got some fire or whatever." Blah blah blah, and then they'll they'll hit me up on the DM or or just call me direct and say, "Hey man, I think we should work. When's the next time you're in Nashville, or can I come up to St. Louis?" And wow. So it, it's, it's a lot of that. And, I, I would have imagined it was a lot of cutthroat. Like, fuck him, I want this for myself. There's some people like that. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the, the yeah, I deal with that too. Yeah. But, you know, like the summer I was in L.A. from June to September, all I did was bouncing in and out of the studio with, with another produ production group that I'm real cool with. And they're on some super major stuff right now. They've been getting, like, big work. So, uh I was out there doing a lot of that and just my network out there. So, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people that are not, not hate, but it's kind of like crabs in a bucket. Like they, sure. I'm going to get this job. Why right. would I give it to you? Right. Then, right. You know, or right. why would I cut you in on this? And so is music still pretty much LA, New York. And it sounds like Nashville, well, Nashville's always been, but so is New York and LA. Yeah. LA, New York, Nashville, Atlanta, Miami. Okay. Dallas yeah. has a scene now. Yeah. Um, Everywhere's got a scene, but those are like the majors, like to where people gravitate to and make stuff happen. Like, right. Obviously, LA, the capital. Yeah, sure. Miami, um, Atlanta for rap. It just depends on what you're doing. But right. Yeah, any one of them cities, you, you can fall into a studio and, and get some work done for sure. And they'll just kind of invite you out? Uh, no, nah, I mean, you, you, it's it's through friends. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just be like pulling up at the studio because nine times out of 10, they don't know who the hell you are. Right. And people. Especially in the rap world, there's a lot of stuff that happens, you know, people getting shot, people yeah. beefs, all, all kinds of crazy stuff. So, yeah. and, and usually artists has their own group of people, producers, circle or whatever, and they kind of stick to that. But, you know, through buddies or through friends, oh, hey, Coco's in town or whatever, I'm going to have him slide through and play 30, 40 tracks or whatever, whatever it takes to You're get. like a traveling tattoo artist. Basically. You know, when Basically. tattoo artists go out of town, they'll, they'll call it. When Matt Hodell had a guy come here one time, he told me he learned how to tattoo in a Siberian prison. It turned oh, wow. out to be a fucking joke, but he, he was like, hey, man, I got this guy <laughs> coming in town. You need to get down here. So I like made it a point to get down there. I was like, so what's Siberian prison like? He was like, I've never been to fucking Siberian prison before. I'm like, Hodell, you motherfucker. Gotcha. What's Nelly doing these days? Nelly is I watch him on loving that, uh, life, man. He got back with Ashanti, and he did a big deal where he got, I think, 50 mil. Um, for a big part of his catalog that he sold off, um, Ashanti's pregnant. Um, he's loving life, man. He look, he looks like he's real happy. You I watch him. I watch on that uh, Real Husbands of Hollywood. I 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that show. Yeah, I think he should get more into the at, at the age he's at now. I think he should get into more movies. But um, he still works like he's putting out songs tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Does like he he's really? He's got a huge like unreleased catalog, and it's all a list. Like I've heard a bunch of it, man. I'm just like scratching my head. Like, why do you not put a song out every month? So like finished songs. Finished he has, songs, like, really with, with people, and the, and they're jamming. Like I like I like Nelly when he's on his old cadence, and like that yeah, Nelly yeah. when he tries just a straight rap. Yeah. It, is, it doesn't make him stand out as much as it did when he did that stuff. Right. And that's that's where I like him. So without any of his personal business, why why do you why would an artist sell and what does that mean to sell their catalog? Like, so and it, it, it's common now. Like a lot of people are doing it. I don't know why it's so hot right now that people are doing it, but like basically they take what you make in a year on your catalog and times it by like ten to twelve. And they'll give you that money up front and buy your publishing rights. But now they own it. Yeah, it's like it's like real estate, but it's it's intellectual property and it's it's real estate from oh, really? what you own. Um, so yeah, so they gave him fifty mil. I don't know the details of the of the deal, you. but I know it was a big part of his catalog. And I don't know exactly if it was just producer or not producer, but artist mechanicals. I don't know if it was artist royalties, but yeah, fifty m's is pretty big. Whatever. Yeah, and. You know, that that was a big boost. But, you know, I don't know. A lot of people have been doing that. If you look it up, there's there, Justin really? Bieber did it. A um, whole bunch of people did it. I would think that they, uh, after all the hours in the studio and the writing, and the, if, whether they're writing it, and we're talking about different artists yeah. here, but you would think that, like, that's mine. And you know what I mean? And, yeah. like, I, don't, I, I want it to remain mine. But yeah. I guess if they've already had their time with that particular song or album or whatever, and then somebody... That and brings up like, 50 mil. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I think Bieber got two, three hundred million for his catalog. Yeah, but and who can like, make more money off of that than he already has? Well, yeah, that's the, that's probably the point. Like, right. It's like Justin's probably at the point where he's he's milked the cow, and yeah. now they're going to give you this. So why not just get the cash and put it into stuff and and invest? Hopefully. Yeah, because they can put it into whatever Disney movies or whatever. Go ahead. And he's probably tired of music at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like Justin Bieber's been doing that since. A kid. 14? So it's like, I'm going to take a break. You know what I'm saying? So just give me more money and let me try to figure life out. He's still young. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, they give you 10 to 12 years times what you make a year. So they'll cash you out. And I don't know why it's a big thing, but a lot of people are doing it. Uh, Dude, I'm just trying to get my basement finished. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? 50 mil, that'd be all right. 50 mil. What do you think about, I am so out of touch when it comes to the new stuff, but... My kids and stuff, almost teenagers, one is, the other two are coming. Yeah. What do you think about the new, just your opinion, the new uh, mumble rap, I think it's called? Yeah. I can't, dude. I and, can't. I, can't. I, I love some of the production. I won't lie, but there's like a handful of people I listen to from the new age, but I'm stuck in my 90s playlist. Right. Golden age rap. Like, right. No Limit is still good. Yeah. You know it, I mean? It's kind of like, you know, our parents' classic rock. That's kind of like, you know, where I'm at with the rap. But I love this classic rock too. That yeah, shit yeah, yeah. hasn't gotten old. And I know you, I'm not saying you don't, but I I don't know. I just think that those those mid late '90s into the 2000s. I think that's just and and way earlier than that too. Run DMs like we can. It goes back to the beginning of hip hop, yeah. but it seemed to me, and probably just because I lived through it. But like those '90s were. It was such good music. Yeah. On the rap, hip hop, and rock alternative you know what i mean it was mm-hmm. we had a lot of good music and i just and i guess that's being 41 
it all just goes to shit. You know what I mean? Kind of after yeah. that. But it's like, I just, I hear the shit my kids are doing and I'm like, you guys have never heard this before, you know, like troublesome. And I don't want my kids listening to too troublesome <laughs> quite yet, but it's like, you want to hear some good shit, you know? Yeah. Like it's just the artists, like the people I'm not into it, You know, there's a lot of just, I don't know, man, a lot of, it seems like more gimmicky and, and Gotham city type stuff. Everybody's tatted up, and, you know, just yeah. on drugs and colored hair, this and that, whatever it teaches on. But in music, I think you got to, kind of buy into the artist too and, and sometimes when i see all those people i just don't i don't relate and especially nope. if you're rapping from a you know like a dope fiend perspective like oh i'm on drugs and pills and popping little zanny or whatever i just don't relate yeah no connect. And, but production wise there's plenty of good beats i'm you know sure what i'm saying but see i don't i can't even hear that, that you yeah. know what i mean like to me that i don't i don't hear what you're even talking about yeah. i understand that there's a beat there but i don't yeah, you know what I mean. You can't like get past the first. <laughs> well, well, you know what it takes to make that happen. Where I don't, I'm just like I can't understand. Not that I can't understand what they're talking about, but it just seems lazy or something to me. And then, and then, like you said, um, I liked Nelly and Luna and and the whole list of of rap growing up. And and again, back then we didn't know the people so personally as they do now, yeah. right? There was no Instagram right. and shit. You didn't know who Nelly was. You heard these stories from say you or Jimmy or something, you know? And, yeah. and so like, you got a little bit of what Bubba Sparks is like in the studio. And when you guys would tell us stories about that, it was always cool to hear. So you kind of, but it's like, um, it's like when you watch behind the music stuff, right? You've been listening to Metallica since you were old enough to listen to Metallica. But when you, when you like actually get to quote unquote, meet the people right. and kind of like see how they work, Slipknot, didn't take their mask off for the first years. <laughs> Still selling millions of albums. When they finally started showing who they were, it was like, oh fuck, you can relate to that guy. You know, yeah. Corey Taylor's like a Star Wars nerd or whatever. And it's like, oh, so like having that, but we didn't have a lot of that. Remember CD cases, doggy style oh, yeah. CD case. Like that was how you got to know people. I missed that, man. Like yeah. opening and looking at the credits and the art. And that was like the best part. Like while the while you put the CD in at first, Ice Cube the Predator was the first <laughs> album that I was ever that I ever bought. Remember Streetside Records and Hazelwood yep. would sell parental advisory to fucking anybody. And I brought it home and I was listening to Today Was a Good Day. And my mom was like, What is this shit? You know, but the art on the it was just it was a completely different experience, I think. But now they can watch reels or whatever it's called. I don't have any social media, but yeah. like they can watch their their the performers or the acts. They can watch them live their everyday life yeah. like they're doing it. So I, I guess it's just different. Times are changing, obviously. But And music is so fast. Like yeah. It used to be Song of the Summer, now it's Song of the Week. Right, right, right. It's like a money grab. Up. Yeah, and Not a money grab, but it's like they're relevant today, and then you never hear from them again. Yeah. And it was like we're still talking about Nelly all these years later because of what he did. There was an impact there. And yeah. Nelly just relating to you because you're sitting here and we're talking about it. But like so many of those people are still around and you're like, fuck, man. I remember that one summer when we were da 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 da, you know, having bonfires and then Lindsay Lane, whatever the deal was. And like that shit was on all the time. Yeah. You know, it was nuts, man. But yeah, I don't know. My, my kids are like, no, this is good. I'm like, no, I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe to you guys, but my I, kids are on the same stuff. They listen to stuff, but I'm yeah. just kind of I try to understand and listen. No, to I hear you. I'm like, ah. I don't want to be like the old fogey, but to me, it's like I guess when you're young, just like our parents, when you're brought up in that 
that 60s 70s rock and roll like mm-hmm. it's not gonna change you know yeah. what i mean my mom constantly ran kc and it was like but it was a lot of fun it was my childhood tom petty and zz top mm-hmm. and like that shit was fun man driving the camaro at the t-tops all it was like that's yeah. that's childhood so i think music it it uh it's a time machine yeah it's a nostalgic it brings you back you know it takes places so yeah that's what i love about it it's like, weird to me when people are like i don't really listen i'm like what yeah like Every song, and it can be weird, like Taylor Swift. My oldest likes Taylor Swift, so naturally I have the uh, YouTube music or whatever, right? So if she listens to it in my truck, it's now in my algorithm and shit, right? But that song, as much as it's like maybe not my song, it reminds me of that time her and I were talking about that thing, you yeah. know? And it, it's just like, it, it's yeah, like you said, it's a, it's time, it's it's history, it's... It, I don't know, man. It, it, it's so fucking important. And my mom, growing up, she was like, "Oh my god, what we were doing in the late seven, you know, early seventies and shit." It was just, it's, I don't know. Coolest, craziest party ever. <laughs> like I'm talking, like we're like mansion, like when 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 albums would come out, were were those are those release parties for real? Is it crazy? Oh, absolutely. Like is now, it really? I mean, there's not there's not too many like crazy there's not too many not crazy stories, I guess I would say, about like release parties or like the Grammy parties. Um any kind of music any anything where like celebrities are at, it's always something going down. Especially like LA or New York or you know, where everybody's there. There's a, there's been some crazy stuff, but I mean one of the most like awesome times that I, I, I've been a part of was uh, meeting my, my poster girl, uh, Carmen Electra, one time. Oh, you poor uh, guy. At a Grammy party, and the the guy that I brought um, knew Dave Navarro, and at the time they were dating. Wow. And uh, he was like, hey, man, let's go say what's up to Dave. And I'm sitting there talking to somebody, and I look over and I'm like, Dave. And then when once he said that, I seen who it was, mm-hmm. and then I seen Carmen, I was like, this is going down. I'm like, let's, let's go over there real quick. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, Dave. And, you know, they give each other dad. And he's like, Coco, this is Carmen. I'm like shaking, basically. Everybody knows who and the she fuck gives is. me a big hug, dude. And I, 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 you know, we pull away and I look down on my, my suit or whatever I had on at the time. And her makeup was all over. Like, she was caked up. Not dry cleaning. Yeah, I'm not. I don't even know where that is, but I don't think I washed it. No way. <laughs> no way. Is she about 5'2"? Is she real little? Yeah, she's little. I would think so. Um, that was a cool moment, but like I, I've seen a lot of stuff and been been a part of a lot of stuff. But like there was a, the, the one time when I met Fergie before Fergie was big. Now see, I'm a Fergie fan. Fergie's fire. Um, it's right before she dropped uh, London Bridge. Me and Wally went out to L.A. I think me, Wally, and Jay went to L.A. But Jay ended up doing something else. I was out there to work with Puff again, and um, we we go in the studio and it's it's Jamie Fox. Uh, Kanye West, wow, Shaggy, a bunch of chicks, and uh, my publisher was like, "Hey, have you met uh, Stacy?" And I'm like, "Nah, who's Stacy?" And he, whatever, she's over there playing pool by herself in this in this big ass studio. And so I walk over, he, they introduce us. Now I'm playing pool. I'm in, you know, I'm locked in. And I'm like, man, we just had a great conversation, and uh, she was fucking banging in real life. Yeah, you know what I'm saying and she yeah. was hella cool. That's yeah, why yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm I'm sticking over here right. until it's my time to go in there and, and play beats or whatever. Yeah. And we, we sat there and for like an hour, um, exchanged numbers and all that. And then like a 
a month later, they dropped London Bridge and number changed and she's Fergie. Yeah. I was like, fuck. For sure. That was her. Yeah, absolutely. And so I heard the other day, Margot Robbie, she's she's a she's a friend of mine. Um, I heard the other day uh it was like a short on YouTube and uh Bullet for My Valentine and Slipknot at one of their concerts. I don't know how this all happened, whatever, but they kind of like they were filming at the show. They were filming live shows. And uh, Bullet for My Valentine was like, hey, Margo, we heard you're a fan. Like, if you ever want to come jam. And like, this is in front of a crowd. Slipknot, Corey Taylor was like, hey, Margo, we heard you're a fan. And it it goes back to her. And she's like, oh, my God. Like, she was freaking. She was like, this is my whole childhood. And I'm thinking, like, how do Margo Robbie and I and tons of other people. But how do we how is that? Our, Slipknot was I got a fucking Slipknot tattoo. They were yeah, like, yeah. they meant so much to me growing up. Still do. But um it was wild to think, like, I got something fucking common with Margot Robbie, dude. If Margot Robbie and I were listening to music, we'd be listening to the same shit, you know? We'd be homies. And Alicia would fucking shoot me. But, <laughs> um, what was I going to ask? I don't know. I don't remember the name of the club. But it, this was a long time ago when all, oh, you know what it was? It was when the grills, when that all happened. Okay. The reason I remember that, um. Who was, what was his name, the taller guy, lunatic? Ali. Ali. Again, I don't know what club this was, but it was like slow. It was either a slow night or they had the whole thing fucking, it was just like a couple of us. I went out there with like Browse, Jimmy, you know, it, you guys, everybody was out there. As a matter of fact, I know Browse was there because we went up to the bar <laughs> and Ali was there and he had, they all had the grills, right? And I, it was just fucking wild to me because I think, I'm pretty sure it was him. It was all, they were all different colors. Like every mm -hmm. tooth was a different, you know? And he knew that we were running around with you guys somehow, you know, I mean, it was just, there was like all oh, those white dudes, it, tattooed dudes and shit, you know? So we all just, we kind of, he was bullshitting with us and we were just cracking up and he was telling us about his grill and shit. I guess I got buzzed up enough that I went out and started dancing. And I remember <laughs> your wife was out there and me. And then all of a sudden, it was like a couple of fine African-American ladies came out and they were just like, look at this motherfucker. And I mean, it was so much fun. And I went back over. Everybody was kind of hanging out in a corner over there. And they were like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, we were cracking up, man. You didn't have your grill? Oh, it was, no, I didn't have one. No, no, I didn't have one. It was a good time, though. Dude, I remember when that song popped off, how, how big that had an impact is we went to Orlando and that song was probably top five on the billboard or something it was popping and uh i remember we went to this swap meet or something i don't know what it was but the, the guys had a line probably 50 60 people sitting there in line going in to get their teeth molded to get grills like that's how big that 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 had an impact on the culture it was already a thing before the song but that song just put the spotlight on it and now everybody wants grills but well, they that song made it like diamonds and like yeah, yeah. you know because gold teeth were a thing yeah, from yeah. way back, but that shit was wild. Everybody wanted one. Who's that little Asian dude in Texas? Johnny, Johnny Dang. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Met him. He's really? Cool. I remember seeing shit about it. he. Always, he does a lot of shit with Mayweather too. Yeah, he's got a his his shop was I don't know if it still is was in like a hood ass mall. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, but he. Uh, I remember seeing him in those videos and I'm like, well, who the fuck? And then they kind of brought it out that he was the guy that, that made them for Paul, you know, yeah. 
He's the man down there. Yeah. What's going on in Texas? How's that scene? It's growing. Is it? Um, I'm working with a guy down there from Dallas um, named Louis the Singer. Um, I, I want to say he's he, he's a country singer, but he also does kind of like the country rap thing too, and he's, his videos are real cool. He just signed with UMG uh, Nashville, so he's he's coming up. We just dropped a song last week. Um, pretty cool. But then um, there's a lot of people that just kind of popping out of Texas. A lot of people moving to Texas right. for whatever reason. And that's why I asked. So well, A lot of people from California are going out yeah, there, too. A lot of Austin, a lot of Dallas. Yeah. But um, they say that that uh, homeless population down there is wild. Oh, I'm sure. Apparently, Austin, it's like yeah. they're getting a bus ticket somewhere else. Like, yeah. hey, you guys want to go for a trip? Fuck out of here. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I went to. I've been to Austin a couple of times. I liked it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They say it's a cool place, but yeah. I, I don't know. I never really. I didn't notice the homeless like as bad as I noticed in L.A. L.A. is like the the, the capital, man. Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. And Rogan was talking about it. I think Austin's kind of a. Well, Philly's got their little thing going on up there that's crazy, but apparently Austin's kind of yeah taken off too. Unfortunately, it's kind of a bummer. But oh, you know what I want to tell you? I did this thing and I did a podcast about it. These guys came up from Nashville to the museum. Da, 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 they were, but what they did was I, I sat with two of these uh, country singers and they wrote a song. I, I, they like interviewed me a little bit, mm -hmm. and then they wrote a song and played it one night to a bunch of people here in town or whatever. And uh, it, I'm trying to relate it to what you we were talking about earlier, like them being able to take stuff and make it into something. So that was kind of like a being in your world a little bit, just being able, and this was just acoustic, you know, they didn't, they didn't like take any of this stuff back and master. They said they were going to, and they would find me and get it to me. But So super, they made a song about you after mm -hmm. the interview? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we sat and talked for like two hours, and it was about, you know, getting through addiction in the war and all, just life in yeah. general, you know. They were just kind of interviewing me, and uh, yeah, they, they end up writing songs about like 14 of us or something and played them one night. It was, it was kind of cool, but... That was the, and I remember thinking like, th so this is how they do this shit down there. Cause I, they're recording artists. I don't know, you know, if you ever heard from, I'll talk to you later about it, but uh, it was kind of wild to see how the whole, how, again, how the sausage is kind of made, you know, yeah. it's a trip without, inst without a lot of computer shit. It was just yeah. a couple of guitars and a pen and a piece of paper. That's how it goes. Yeah. So yeah. what are we working on these days? You want to talk about anybody? I mean, I, yeah. Um, so anything yourself, anything? Let's plug it. I am currently, well, I'm getting ready to go to Nashville from the 10th to the 25th, working on a Adam Calhoun's country album. Uh, I think he's bringing Jelly Roll through, um, working with another producer down there. So I'll, I'll get to meet him again. I met him back in 2010. Jelly. Jelly. Yeah. Is he pretty cool? From what I remember, it was it was a short meeting. It was through a friend here that that still is in touch with him. Um, but yeah, he seems genuine and cool. He's doing a lot of podcasts. I think he seems yeah. like a good guy. Good guy. He's in a good spot right now, so life's good. And he's yeah. got a, a bombshell wife that yeah 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 doing her thing, and yep. she's a go getter. So life's good, I think. That's cool. Um, but like Demon Jones, um, my friend Dusty Lee, uh, there's this kid named Clever that was signed to Post Malone that I'm working with. He's incredible. He's kind of like Post, but just more range. Yeah. Um, let's see. Frankie J, I'm working back with. Just a bunch of writers and stuff. I remember that name. Yeah. He had a couple. He went platinum a couple times. Yeah. Like he's big, but he he just moved back down to, I think, Houston. Mm. So everybody moving to Texas. But um, 
Any of that good stuff going on in St. Louis at all? There's so much talent in St. Louis. St. Louis right now, believe it or not, like you, one of the biggest producers is from here, and he's still hot to this day. His name is Metro Boomin. He's done everything. Yeah. He's he's younger than me. Um, Sexy Red, which whatever, I don't get her. You know, I'm not a fan, but I'm, I'm proud of, you know, St. Louis being back on the map with her. Is she? She's on Drake's album. She's on. Oh, like, okay. She's got a bunch of stuff. Okay. Her songs, I think she's got voted best rap song of the year or something. So she's doing her thing for sure. Um, there's another guy named, you know, Chop Squad. It's a big DJ. Uh, Rari. Uh, Shmino. Uh, SZA. She's from St. Louis. Hmm. So St. Louis got it. Even without all the major stuff, like all the people that are on the come up and still in the scene of just kind of the underground, there's there's so much talent here because it's a melting pot of just being in the middle. Right. We kind of pull sounds from everywhere and just kind of make it our own. But yeah. A lot of, lot of good producers, a lot of good artists. It's just they it's it's st louis and it's hard to um st louis is real tough to get on your side as far as like support it's like almost seems like if you go outside of st louis and, and make it and come back then you're a god you know what i'm saying yeah but like if you're here you do a show it's not like it's not a supportive city i feel really until you're on right well once you're on everybody yeah. wants something from you yeah so i don't understand that but like i always thought about fashion that way too in the midwest right so like when i lived in california whatever brand or whatever style and then it, it's like this wave it comes in from the east and the west and then splashes down here in the middle mm-hmm. and by the time it gets here you go back out to la out to san diego wherever you're going it, it's already off again there it's you off. know so it's like we have to come up with our own thing here and make it ours which you know plenty of people have but yeah there's always that thing and it's just it, podcasting too you know it's like Obviously, the big names are out there, and they're right, and they're in the they're in the right places geographically to be doing pot. But it's like there's plenty of stuff going on here too, and shit to talk about, and a lot of history, and oh yeah, that's some stuff I want to get into. You know, <clears throat> again, just like at my work, right? The arch to us is this big thing that you see when you go downtown, but plenty of people that don't know about it. You know, so uh, uh, organized crime downtown back in the day the hill all the italian you know there's a lot going on here that it's not an untapped market for sure because plenty of people have talked about it but it's like there's a lot going on in every every little town that you know across the country i i I say fuck that we're not a flyover city you know i hate being called that because it's like we got a lot going on here i know what a flyover city is there are some but i don't think we're one of them no there's a lot of stuff that's came from here and then that is going on I, I, i don't know why St. Louis isn't because to me, like it makes sense, like a Chicago, St. Louis, a Dallas, everything's right in the middle of America. It right. should be like bigger than what it is yeah. in my head. Yeah, but you know, I don't know. A lot of people think that, but it, but there's a lot of stuff that's come out of here or that's going on. There's a lot of history here for sure. Well, good deal. Hey, where can people find you, or do you want anybody to find you? <laughs> don't find me. No, I'm on social media. I'm just not big on social media. I I, I don't. Do the day to day, like everyday posting five. I hear it's just one of them things that's, I don't know. It's a job, honestly. I'm with you. Social media is a job. But if you want to find me, I'm on Instagram. It's Coco, K O K O of BB. That's the Instagram handle. And then you you can just look on my website. It's J A Y S O N K O K O bridges.com, Jason Coco bridges.com. Cool. And that's kind of like the latest and who I've worked with and all that stuff. Right. Well, that's why I wanted to say it, you know, because there's a lot of people that are listening to your music that don't know that yeah. they're listening to your music. Yeah. And I think you should get the, well, you got your props anyways, but from everybody, you know? Yeah. 
And so, me, me and Jimmy got a, that, that spoof group that are, that's about to pop this spring and summer. What's going on? The, the CMSE, the chocolate milk scrambled eggs. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's still so, going. Yeah, our lawyer really wanted us to do that, and Jimmy... Just it started as a joke. I know. And now everybody I got is the really album rooting. I in a box right over yeah. there. I still have it. So we probably got about fifteen new songs. Um we're gonna keep maybe three or four of the old ones and pick the best album and then really push videos and stuff this this spring and summer. So, so you're still gonna be performing. In a way. Yeah, I told Jimmy I said, on this thing, particular thing, I'm not performing until we start making noise. I'm not going to a bar and, and performing. You know this stuff, even though it makes sense because it's it's about drinking and getting hammered and all that. But Didn't you like performing though, what, like Steadfast Days? Yeah, yeah, no, I, that that's when I really started. I don't know, we probably did twenty shows, but out of those twenty shows, at least five or six of them was for major acts. Twenty. Yeah. Like, I thought we. I thought you did a lot. Jim, more. Jimmy was in. The, obviously, that Steadfast was a thing before I got right. into it. But when me and Je got involved, okay. We probably only did 20 shows. Oh, really? But, like I said, we opened up for Chevelle. Yeah. Opened up for um, Saliva. Opened uh, up for Story of the Paralyzer. Year a couple times. Uh, Paralyzer. I'm not paralyzed, but I asked him. Who the fuck is that? It, they were big. And we was doing all the Street Fighters, yeah, yeah. C&I. Yeah, the, right. The, them were always huge. So it, it was great times, man. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. You know what? Um, it was July 15th. Damn. <laughs> uh, two, and I know this. I know it for some reasons, but um, of <laughs> 2007, you guys did a show at the Duck Room. Mm -hmm. You could look back. I guarantee it's July 15th because. That's a flyer. There's a flyer with that on there. I know for sure. Yeah. Um, Browse and I, I was leaving to go out to Phoenix to the motorcycle school. The show got done. We went to his house, got my truck. I mean, I had a fucking twin mattress. A shitty little TV my dad brought home from prison. You could like see through it, you know. It was I got one, one of them at the house. Yeah, uh, and like clothes. And we drove out to Arizona that night. I think we actually left after the show that night. That oh, nasty motherfucker took a shower and we got on the road and just jammed. Damn. Yeah, I remember that shit because everybody was like, "Well, when are you leaving?" I'm like, "I think here in a little bit." And <laughs> I, we were talking at what's it, Blueberry Hill. And we're like, Damn. "Fuck it, let's just go." Half in the bag, start driving across the country. Yeah. All right, hey man, before we get out of here, I like to do a thing um, where, you know, I don't know if it's if you could give your young self advice, right? Or if there's somebody listening, I think uh, a big thing for you uh, is perseverance and not giving up, right? Because you had opportunities to do that. What kind of advice would you give yourself or somebody else? And it doesn't have to be music. It could be just be, you know, if, if you got a dream or I like to talk about, um, you know, if, when it comes to addiction, because I've been through all that and I've been clean for all these years and stuff, like how if somebody's going through it, what are some things that I kind of implemented in my life to get out of it? So any kind of good advice for anybody? Yeah, I mean, I mean. Common sense. I mean, just just use your brain, man. Like, like you said, perseverance and just knowing what you want, even if you doubt. You know, what I'm saying, just like kind of get after it and go get it until until you got it. You know, what I'm saying, and keep going. Like, we didn't get into like my upbringing, but I've been on my own since I was 15. Yeah. So my my mom had an issue. I didn't have a dad. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of running the streets with a, a rough crowd. Um probably could have been in a lot more trouble than I, you know, was ever in. Sure. But 
never was. Um, luckily, I didn't. You know, all those guys are either dead or addicts or yeah. in jail. Yeah. And I'm like one of three, maybe that's not. So it's kind of like, I just use my my common sense and, and and just my my compass, you know, as far as right and wrong, and and I kind of watch people's mistakes and learn from it. Um, but to me, it was I had a I had something that I was I was in love with, and it was music. Right. And I didn't know it. And then once it happened, you know, I, I went full yeah full blown speed yeah towards it. So yeah, but how many people doubted you? How many? I mean, I, oftentimes, right when it's like. For me, I'm joining the Marine Corps. No, you're not, man. You ain't yeah, fucking, yeah. You ain't, you're in too much trouble. You're not that guy. You ain't tough enough or whatever. And it's like that. that is the thing that I think most people let them shut down. What are you, why are you going to start a podcast? Nobody's going to listen, right? If you, You're not going to make any money. And, and then I had to – so I get all this negativity in first, and I, I don't know – it relates to what you said about the St. Louis thing and us not kind of getting behind each other, but mm – -hmm. When I told you I was doing this, you got on and followed my shit right away. Yeah. You know, and it's like in that type of stuff. So the, the the negativity always seems to come first. It, instead of people just being behind you, pushing you forward, it's like, oh, no, you won't be able to do And it's like, had you listened to all those people, I don't know if anybody told you no, you weren't going to make No, I mean, shit, it. even myself. You know what I'm saying? I doubted exactly. myself. Yeah. So it's like, you know, at the time... Just like making music, like making music, period. I, w I didn't believe in myself until I, I, I just went in and, and, and just over and over and over was just learning, how, you know, from, from mistakes. Like, okay, I shouldn't do that. I should do this. Right. I need to learn how to play keys. I need to learn how to do this. So, it, and a lot of it, you know, is, is knowing people, but a lot of it also is just, just being diehard into it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to tell me. Honestly, when someone tells me no, there's two types of people. Either you break or you use that shit as sure. fuel. Yeah. I'm one of those that if, if I'm into something and you tell me no, I'm going to prove you wrong. Absolutely. And it, it might not be tomorrow, might not be a week, but it's I'm going to I'm gonna show you right. that I can do this. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, and again, the perseverance, had you not kept showing up to Saints and, and looking over Jay's shoulder mm -hmm. and watching and just listening and, you know, instead of doing a lot of the talking, doing a lot of listening and paying attention and just kind of going for it. That's so. probably what kept me out of a lot of trouble, honestly, was was skipping out on parties or skipping out on doing this and that and then going and seeing what's going on in the studio. Really? Or going and chasing this chick down in yeah. Hazelwood or right. whatever. You no, know I'm, I'm with saying? you. Like, and then, you know, a lot of them a lot of them nights could have been something else. So, yeah. Yeah. See, I, I had a thing where it was like the fear of missing out thing, right? And it's like, I know we're going to the same three places, right? And it's like, I, I know who's going to be there. Mm -hmm. I know how much will not change about tonight or tomorrow or whatever. And I think about that, like, physical fitness. I try to tell my kids all the time, like, had I known how much I was into this, just, just for my, and now I do it for mental health, like, absolutely, for mostly mental health, but it's like, a lot of other things in life, hunting, I'm like new at hunting, but I'm so into the process of it and, and, and it's a whole thing, but it's like staying at home some of those nights and like eating right, taking care of myself. I could have yeah. avoided so much bullshit. And I, I've always been very open and honest about the fact that I blame no one for my drug addiction, but myself, you know, but had I made better choices and went, all right, man, this is your, your dad was, uh, you know, my old man was like a outlaw motorcycle club dude, drug dealer and like prostitution yeah. and like all kinds of fucked up shit. But like he because he wasn't around, 
he became the thing I didn't want to be the most, but like subconsciously I ended up like getting into that lane way more than I ever thought I would. And like at, at my lowest of low, I was looking around, like I got these kids and I'm choosing this thing over like, so I'm becoming exactly what I hate. And it, and it, it like, that was, I think the bigger turn in a leash, of course, but that was like the biggest turning point for me was like knowing that like, this is not what I want. I don't yeah. know exactly what I do want, but I know that this is fucking not it. So it's like, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you here that sometimes you, you just know, and you got to yeah. roll with it and, and fight. And you know, it, nothing happens overnight. Yeah. And nothing's easy. And, and you know, sometimes you're going to shed tears and bleed yeah. to get what you want. And then at the end, it's, it's all worth it. You know, the, the, the journey, a lot of failure. Yeah. Uh, what about the restaurant? Do we talk about that on here? Yeah. So that's a whole nother segment of my life. Um, I'm trying to get people to go eat some wings. Yeah, I mean, Madden Lee's is is a, a big part of my life as well. Obviously, being married to a Madden Lee. Yeah, um, it's a big part of our lives. We grew up. There. Yeah, and it's kind <laughs> of a staple. It's where we all started taking shots. And yeah, I know Limburg. The Limburg location was was my stomping ground. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a it's a beast of a business. It's hard. It's it's it owns you. You really don't own a restaurant and bar. Like it owns your ass. Is that right? The hardest part of it is is the employees. And and if you know nowadays after COVID, the workforce is just kind of I mean it's everywhere not just the restaurant but the restaurant business is one of the businesses where people look at it like it's not a big boy job right it's it's just a paycheck or I'm gonna get some tips or yeah stepping stone a lot of people it's hard it's hard to find people that care and that are actually there to 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 put in work and yeah but you guys have always had like it seemed like um well I I haven't been there for a while but. Uh, it seemed like it was people who stayed for a while. Oh yeah, because you guys all, you guys, I remember you guys have always treated employees really well. Yeah, the front of the house, that there's at least five or six girls that have been there since the beginning. Yeah. So and that was 08 for our location, but um, it, you know, it's always the the cook position and the and the buster position and the hostess, which is usually you kind of get what you get because people, you know, that's the job they fall into. Um, it's and, weird, and man. It's a, it's a it's brutal, man, in the kitchen. I know it doesn't seem like you're laying shingles in the middle of summer in Vegas, but no, it's you. still work and it's still demanding and it's still pressure. And, and sometimes, you know, but luckily our our location is super busy and, and we do well. Yeah. But um, it's ran correctly too. Right, exactly. So, yeah. You know, you got her with the wife. Don't fuck around. Don't fuck around. No. Has, she she never shit. has, and I don't Mrs. think. She, no. Yeah. I. She never has, and I don't think she's going to. Nah. She. She. She is good at what she does. And, For sure. You know, it's her dad's. You know, legacy or whatever that yeah. she's trying to keep going. So. Do you remember growing up when you had to have a job in order to do things? Oh, it wasn't like, even a question. Like I said, I'm. 15 i was on my own so I, I was working at 15 and going to school and and playing sports and doing whatever i had to do but i literally had to have a job to to make whatever ends or stay wherever i was staying and get close you know yeah and i was like damn you know so real life suck like mom single mom's <laughs> not gonna be able to buy sh i wanted new shoes i yeah. wanted clothes i wanted what i wanted so yeah. it's like i had to go to cecil whitaker's and get a part-time job at 15 and a half on a work permit from school yeah these motherfuckers, I don't, nobody's really looking forward to going to work, and it's like, 
so am I, is your parents supposed to float whatever you want to do? Cause like while you're young, cool. But when you're old enough to work, you got to go to work Oh yeah. and the military is always hiring. So at worst case scenario, you've got to go, you know, yeah. and it, I, I don't know where that's been lost and I know everybody's feeling it and it's, I'm not, we're not reinventing a wheel here with that conversation, but it's weird. It's just, it's strange to us. Yeah. I, luckily I got, I got two boys. They're pretty much grown now, but when they, when they turned old enough to get that work permit, they really had no choice. They were, were they were at the restaurant. Were they? Oh yeah, and yeah. So they yeah. learned pretty much every position. Like you know, I got a twenty three year old and I got an eighteen year old. He's twenty three. And you just graduated from Mizzou. So wow! Congratulations. That's yeah, man. awesome, man. Good job. For sure. No. You, more. Well, into you guys too, man. As parents, you yeah, know, yeah. It, it so takes was, a lot of work to yeah. make a young man do well. Yeah. So so from the beginning, they had no choice but to learn what hard work is and, and if you want it you gotta go get it and if you like eating crumbs then yeah sit your ass or whatever on the other side of the table and wait for it i guess but if you want something go get it you know what i'm saying did they ever have or did you squash that right away that dad has done a lot of things and has done well for himself did they ever have that thing where like he's just gonna buy us a lambo for our no, 16th birthday no, no. that was never. they've never had to go without and well for the, sure and they're not little spoiled brats but no your kids are good they're great kids. Um, well, adults. Adults, yeah, now. But, you know, they also knew from the from the get-go that it takes hard work. It, it takes, yeah. This is what me and your mom's been through. And Absolutely. This is where we're at today, and yeah. this is where we're going. So yeah. it's like, you know, kind of follow the blueprint, I guess. And, right. And, you know, get your ass up and go out and get it. I talk to people, and, you know, I, my kids have been making their bed since they're four years old. Since, like, and... Alicia and I didn't care that it wasn't done right. I never like Marine Corps. It wasn't about that. It was just like, this is how you're going to start, you know? And so chores have been a big deal to me. And I like, of course the idea is to give your kids a better life than you have obviously. Right. But there, I think there's obviously a way to do that where it's not like just hand you some shit and you don't say thank you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, so it's like, there's that give and take thing. And I didn't, I wasn't, I don't think it. I don't. I don't think I was taught it, um, but I think I just saw how hard my mom struggled, and so it was like, all right, I want stuff, but I don't want to ask her for it because right, right. because that's just going to put more stress and pressure on her as a single parent to like figure out, motherfucker, you don't need two new pairs of shoes a month. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. So maybe I started selling weed and shit when I was way too young to afford what I wanted. But but when I got to go to work, when I was had the opportunity, like get your ass to work and do something so yeah. no it's not always fun you know i work a swing shift and 12 hour days and it's not always a good time but who the fuck said it was supposed to be a good time yeah. you know so it's what you got to do what you got to do hey man thank you so much for coming by i really do appreciate it thanks for having me man yeah as uh things go on you ever want to come by and talk again we can do it again we can go into all kinds of shit but i appreciate it so uh you guys as always you know try to do good things and be good to people and help somebody if you can and um, check out some of Coco's music. Yeah, you already know a lot of it. I guarantee it. But uh, if you don't, look them up and uh, yeah, check it out and like it and, and download it and all that good stuff. Let's support one of our St. Louis guys. So, thanks, brother. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank all you. right, man. We'll see you guys later. Be cool.